Welcome to KIOS at the Movies. I'm Joshua LeBure here with Patrick Kinney and Diana Martinez from Film Streams. Hello. Hi. And today we're talking about the film White Riot. I was asked, would you come down and photograph the punk night? Suddenly, the clash come on and bang! There was this incredible cultural explosion going on. It was a scary moment because punk could have gone either way. Some of the bands did have NF following. The National Front were growing incredibly. Keep our country free from invasion! They're not English! They don't belong here! We said what we need to do is do a, a gig thing called Rock Against Racism. We're against racism in all facets of British life. We want rebel music, street music, music that breaks down people's fear of one another, music that knows who the real enemy is. Love music, hate racism. The energy and the potential of it was what pulled all these people on board. People in the room were artists and writers and political activists. It was immediate. I thought, this is a gang I'd like to join. At that time, there was a massive amount of police picking up black youth. I met this man, Red Saunders. He was like, we've got to get together, we've got to build something. Rock Against Racism was white people finally waking up to the fact that there's racism here. White Riot is a new documentary by Rubika Shaw that tells the story of a protest movement that formed in 1976, Rock Against Racism. It saw bands such as The Clash, Tom's Robin Band, and many others that united to take on the rise of the National Front, a nationalist white supremacist group that was rising in power in Britain in the late 70s. This film uses archival footage, scans from zines, interviews with founders of the movement to tell a powerful story of the ways that music can be used to inspire a movement, build a community, and bring people together. This was the best of what punk rock could be, and the reason why I fell in love with it when I was young. I really enjoyed this film. I will say that I think I am the person in this room who uh, did not grow up as a punk fan. Still not really a fan of punk music. Um, you know, and, and my, my husband is, and it's always a question that I have for him as to, like, you know, where the people of color within this movement, like, where are the women within this movement... Um, and I think that this documentary did, did a really good job, um, you know, talking about all the ways that people within the punk movement have for a really long time um, realized that this is a problem within punk and that it very easily kind of sways into this like neoconservative fascist mm-hmm. <laughs> um, aesthetic. Uh, there is a very much correlation with that. Yeah. Where... I mean, I think back on the film American History X mm-hmm. or Green Room, and there's very much like a white supremacist layer mm-hmm. to punk rock and hardcore. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in that scene, and we would have problems with neo-Nazi kids coming to our shows. There was always this clash in the movement of like anti-racist mm-hmm. white yeah. punk rock kids and then the racist version that would try to come into the movement. So it was really interesting to see kind of the birth of that in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think as somebody also who kind of grew up around punk rock, um, it was interesting to see how much 
things just haven't changed within yeah. the scene as well. Like you have even in the seventies when you know bands like uh, the Sex Pistols were contemporary, you had people debating their use of Nazi imagery um, and people who absolutely said it wasn't acceptable. And then there were apologists for it who said that it's just more of like a way of um, instigating or just, you know, coming up with weird ways to uh, apologize it. And then others just who sort of like really saw it for what it was worth and identified with it. And we're like, we know exactly. Well, because you had the problem with, the Ramones and the Sex Pistols all using mm-hmm. that iconography as well at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And there really is... Um, the interesting thing about this film, and the reason why I, I pointed out that it was the best of what it could be, because it can be so bad. Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of ways, that culture of thumbing your nose at authority can go to so many different... Mm-hmm. can go so many different ways. And the thing I loved about this film that this movement particularly did, and it made me love The Clash so much more as well, that it really was, and I did find new music in this, which I was very excited about that I'm really sad I didn't hear of before. Mm. Um, But it really was about building community and reaching out to other communities, especially in this movement with the reggae community, mm-hmm. yeah. which, you know, a lot of ska music borrows so much or steals so much from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the clash themselves. I mean, London Calling yeah. is like a, a fusion of punk and reggae. Um, so it's good to see that they were on the right side of this, of well, this movement. Well, that's what I really enjoyed about this film is that I, I love films that make it a all apparent that like these conversations are never new Mm -hmm. yeah but i feel like especially today like there's so many people who are want to be like oh it's just these like millennials who care about like cultural appropriation but like actually no this has been a problem for a really long time and like a lot of this revolves around uh you know the punk movement talking about eric clapton's very racist (laughs) statement i did not know about that and him as a colonialist yeah Mm -hmm. Right? And, and David that, Bowie and yeah. Rod Stewart, which I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just like, you know, it seems like when we're talking about cultural appropriation, like, oh, it's a very like 2020, 2019 conversation, but it's not. Right. Like these issues have been in music and people have known that this music has black roots for a really long time and have been upset that it's not like pro- properly addressed right. within the work of these other artists. Well, and talk about it's really it was really interesting to see the the juxtaposition between Clapton and the Clash because I mean, Clapton is very famous for the blues, but not only that, there are people who still think that he wrote "I Shot the Sheriff," <laughs> you know, which is well. like a flat out reggae cover. And then, well, he didn't know such thing. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. But uh, but you know, like it's he. Uh, just kind of like, I mean, I w- you can't even say borrowed, but like co-opted it so uh, so completely, and then was also at the same time saying really, truly on stage, truly horrible things about immigrants from the mm-hmm. Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of them were supporting this politician at the, so for our listeners, a, a lot of these uh, musicians, uh, David Bowie, Eric Clapton, Rod Stewart, the ones we mentioned, were supporting this politician who was kind of leading the movement of the National Front, uh, Enoch Powell. 
you know, we think it is like that thing where we think we're in this unprecedented time, but it really is like just a regurgitation of the stuff that happened before. Mm -hmm. It's just right now it's happening in America and it's a reality TV guy and we have social media. So we hear about it faster. Mm -hmm. There's so many things in this film I never really heard about. You know, I think that minstrel shows I thought were in blackface was very much an American thing. I had no idea that there was such a huge presence of it in Britain too. Like I just didn't know. Mm. We played shows with this guy, Mike Park, who uh, started Asian man records and he was in a band called Skank and Pickle, a ska band. And, um, you know, Scottiest name of all time. I know. Right. <laughs> um, he was also, uh, so anyway, he also started uh, Ska Against Racism, which, mm. you know, obviously inspired by this movement. Mm -hmm. And he started Plea for Peace, which is a oh, very sure. much yeah. like movement that I grew up with. Um, and thinking about uh, growing up with like Rock Against Bush and a lot of these mm -hmm. things I grew up with in the punk movement that all kind of were spurred from this. And it was it was interesting for me um, just because it was something I never heard about. And I love when a documentary can take music that I already loved and put it in a more cultural context of what was happening right. at the time. I think, I wonder, I mean, without that context, I mean, I felt like it was still like a very well-paced documentary that was, had enough, I mean, what did you think? It was somebody who was not as steeped in the lore. I'm not <laughs> steeped in the lore and the culture, but I will say that my husband has made me watch many punk, <laughs> hardcore, and metal documentaries, so I'm always uh -huh. expecting, like, the same people on the screen. Pleasantly surprised that I was not, like, the usual actors were not yeah. the interviewees here or the talking right. heads, so no that was Fred good. Fred Armisen. I feel like the last five <laughs> years, they've all had Fred Armisen, <laughs> which is pleasant. I always enjoy seeing him, but... Yeah. 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 Um, you know, no Henry Rollins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever. Um... So I, I really liked it. I, I think, uh, Josh, you're right in that I think this film was the best version of itself that it could be because I also don't think that it, you know, presents punk as this, like, completely, like, welcoming or inclusive mm -hmm. space, yeah. um, which I appreciate as someone who, like, you know, knows someone who's around it. So I kind of, like, see the scene and I'm like, I don't, I don't yeah. know if I would feel comfortable in it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that really struck me about the movie, um, and especially uh, everything around the British punk scene, is like how much easier it seemed for them to name what in fact was the problem because yeah. of how England has dealt with fascism and has had actual like war on their soil over something like fascism mm -hmm. that it becomes really easy in America, right? To talk about what anti-fascism is or is not mm -hmm. when like these people are dealing with real fascists. Mm -hmm. Like this is not, um, you know, some like gussied up kind of like racism, like it's actual fascism. And so I, I just, I really appreciated hearing from people that like actually understood the stakes of this kind of racism. Right. Very true. I agree. Very much to seeing them dealing with, you know, everybody was up in arms when in Kenosha, right? Uh, when the cops were thinking that kid before he shot some innocent mm -hmm. protesters, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
there was this scene in this film where the cops, you know, all these like fascists are out and then they divert them off to the side to have their rally. And then the cops go back and attack Mm-hmm. The pro the anti racist yeah. protesters. The cops got pumped up at yeah. the at and, the National Front rally, and, and they were back to they the were thinking rally. they were thinking the the National yeah. Front people for doing what they're doing, and then went and beat up protesters at um at the anti like the counter protests, mm-hmm. which is like what we're seeing now, and it's always been the case, but it's now in the popular lexicon or in the mainstream media for once mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. It just really made me wonder, like, what the conversation could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're, well, it's also they're looking back, too. Yeah. So it's always a little bit more, I'm sure that there was, it was clear cut to them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was very clear cut to them at mm-hmm. the time as well. Yeah. And I think to a lot of people, they're seeing the situation quite clearly, our mm-hmm. contemporary situation quite clearly. But... Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of like ambiguity in people who don't want to maybe admit maybe mm. what they're seeing or I don't know, it's hard to explain. But yeah, yeah, it was felt good to watch this and hear people just call fascism out mm-hmm. and be very clear eyed about what was going on. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really did appreciate about this film too is introducing us to some music that maybe had a harder time breaking through. Um, especially alien culture. But I felt like the film aesthetically was so much more silent than I expected it to be for a movie about punk. Like it was not, and I think this is one of the things of it being the best possible Mm -hmm. version of itself that it could be, that it did not feel like it needed to like put like audio beds under every piece of dialogue there mm-hmm. was a lot of silence people were able to speak and you could hear them it wasn't just all like london calling from beginning to <laughs> yeah. end like right. it did i think even aesthetically um do things that you don't really see within a music documentary um but especially like expect out of one that is like so much about like the lyrics and the personas of these like larger than life punk figures. It was really about, you know, people making zines and working in the underground and like producers. Like it wasn't about the clash really, which mm-hmm. is also what I liked about it. There wasn't this like great men of history. No, yeah. Yeah. And I think there was also, I think a lot of 
music documentaries can't decide if they're a concert documentary yes or what kind of music documentary they are i think this one struck a good balance of mm -hmm. like how long when you were watching a performance or a song they stayed on it for i thought the perfect amount of time yeah like enough every for time. you to understand the significance mm -hmm. of the performance right yeah and it wasn't like it wasn't a concert doc mm -hmm. it's not a music video we're not watching the whole thing start to finish economic it was economic yes you and even when it did show the clash, it also did it in a way that like really kind of showed how working class they like really were. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it, it really gave you that feeling of where they came from rather than just like kind of, you know, it's been long enough now they're kind of in the legendary status, you know. Mm -hmm. That like it, it made them even they aren't they don't take up the whole documentary at all. No. Mm -hmm. Um but when it, they are shown, they feel very human. So with that, what movies are you going to pair with White Riot? I would like to pair a movie from 1980 called Babylon that deals with many of the same themes. It is a narrative film, though, and it is set in the Jamaican community in London. Um, the main character is a dance hall DJ, so he's in the reggae dub community. Um, it is a very, it was a movie that was never released in uh, America until last year um, and was very controversial in the UK uh, in 1980, 1981 when it was being released because of its realistic depictions of racism and uh, violence from the point of view of the victim of racism and racial violence uh, i will say it, those that is a, those are themes in the film uh and it's very very prevalent in it. but the the movie itself is uh has beautiful cinematography it is it's a great movie and it's just uh a slice of it's like a community that i've never really seen represented in film uh and i'd highly recommend it babylon my recommendation is actually something that uh, my husband made me watch. It is a documentary um, called A Band Called Death about the punk group. That was Death. my pick. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, it's about a, a punk uh, rock group in Detroit, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, it's a, a trio of um, three black brothers. Are they brothers? I think they were brothers. They're brothers. Um, it was a really great documentary from what I remember. I actually think of it really often, and it's kind of about how, um, you know, they became so much more popular and influenced a lot of people after they made an album that kind of just, like, went under the radar and, like, nobody really listened to and um, since then have had, like, a tremendous influence on successive generations of punk kids. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely, because they were around in, like, the 70s, and mm -hmm. they were inspired by The Who and a lot of this, like, rock music and stuff yeah. like that. And then Motown. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and they're really good. It's just good music. So uh, so since Diana picked the one I was going to pick, <laughs> which wow. is a great movie. Wow. No, I, I just had the thought of one, um, you know, because there's so few movies about punk rock and different cultures other than, like, angry, like, white kids. Um, so there's a film that came out in 2016 called Los Punks, uh, We Are All We Have. Mm -hmm. And it's a documentary about kind of a Los Angeles, um, in South Central and East Los Angeles punk rock scene of uh, uh, mostly Latinx kids and, mm -hmm. and just their punk and hardcore music at these backyard shows around LA. And it's really, really, really good. Seen it. <laughs> <laughs> 
White Riot is now available through Film Streams at Home. For KIOS, I'm Joshua LeBure. For Film Streams, I'm Diana Martinez. And for Film Streams, I'm Patrick Kane. Wow.